that? Well, find Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Then you'll hit Isaiah, then Jeremiah. And right after Jeremiah is Lamentations. It's a short little book, five chapters. In, in the Hebrew, which isn't necessarily relevant to us here today, but it was written, the chapters in alphabetical listing, kind of like McGuffey readers used to say, A, all of sinned, and so on, uh, and they kind of spelled it out here, but God has preserved it for us in English, and it is not in that, in that, not in that relation. But the truth still remains. Um, the, the structure of the book is, as it says, lamentations. And so today, in our 30,000 feet view of the Bible, we're coming over lamentations, all right? And um, we're going to take a look at it. This week, you won't be studying it on Wednesday night, as you heard the announcement already. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't complete your workbook, okay? Um, next Sunday, we'll be looking at the book of the Song of Solomon, okay? And we won't be having a Wednesday study on that because of neighborhood Bible time. And we rearrange these a little bit. Because Lamentations is a smaller book, as is Song of Solomon. Um, so we won't be having the Wednesday studies for those of you involved in that. Those of you that are visiting, sorry to, to bore you with the details of that. But we have been going through the Bible from 30,000 feet, meaning taking a book of the Bible each week, looking at it, studying it then in our small groups on Wednesday. And the book of Lamentations is, someone has said, the book of Jeremiah is a book of warning that we looked at last week. Jeremiah, one of the great prophets. Lamentations is a book written by Jeremiah. It is a book of mourning. So, Jeremiah, book of warning. After the fall, after the captivity... Jeremiah is still in Jerusalem, and he sees the devastation, and from his heart comes this um, book of Lamentations. Chapter 1 really deals with the misery of the Jewish citizens. It pictures Jerusalem in its desolate condition following Nebuchadnezzar's destruction of the city. Most of us have never been around utter destruction of something. We've um, seen pictures maybe of tornadoes, um, but most of us have never been around the destruction by an invading army coming and destroying, and this was complete and utter destruction. They they tore down walls of the city, they burned things, and and there were still 
Israelites living in the city and daily, every morning when they woke up, they were reminded of their defeat and the destruction. And chapter 1 um, pictures that. Chapter 2, Jeremiah is describing that this is God's punishment of Jerusalem, um, identifying the cause of their desolation and captivity. In chapter 3, Jeremiah is giving his personal reactions. So he's, he's speaking from his own heart, not that he hasn't been before, but he's giving his personal reactions. We'll come back in just a moment and read a portion of that. In chapter, focuses on their past and now their present condition in, in the debris and so on. And then chapter 5 is a prayer, a prayer appealing to God for mercy. But I want us to look at chapter 3 for some thoughts here this morning and lessons from Lamentation. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, and I'll read down till I stop, probably verse 24, okay? Jeremiah, this is his personal reflections, all right? I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hue and stone. He has made my paths crooked. He has been to me a bear lying in wait. Like a lion in ambush, he has turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. I have become the ridicule of all my people, their taunting song. All the day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. He has moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity and said, My strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to mind. Therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. 
It is good for a man to bear the yoke, the, the yoke in his youth. So we find here, it, it's a pretty dark picture that he's painting all these things that he's experienced and, and speaking how it's affected his soul and, and life and Jerusalem. And then there's like a, a one ray of sunlight that comes through this that we'll get to in a moment in verse 22 where he says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Great is thy faithfulness. But this book of Lamentations is read every year, once a year in Jewish circles in reminding them of the brokenness and the devastation that came to them, and it's read as a memorial. Every Friday evening in Jerusalem, men and women of Israeli descent make their way to the southeast corner in Jerusalem of the old temple grounds, and there the, there's a portion of the ancient wall that is 52 yards in length and 56 feet in height. And they come there to pray. It is known as the Wailing Wall. I'm sure you've seen pictures of it. They will, the wall is full of, of little prayers on little pieces of paper that they stick into the cracks of the wall. This is to them reminder of the glory of days gone by and they're still mourning the destruction of Jerusalem. And again, in 70 A.D., the destruction of Jerusalem. And they're still longing in their unbelief. They're longing for a Messiah to come, not realizing He already has come, but they're longing for Him to come and set up His kingdom. So, <clears throat> this is the very, this is the very location that Jeremiah was in. It's the, it's the battleground today of the Temple Mount between um, the Jews and the Muslims and so on. And that every year they will read in their public gatherings the Book of Lamentations, mourning what has happened. And, and understanding, um, as a memorial, the book of Lamentations shows what happens to a nation that turns its back on God. When it acknowledges God, but does not honor Him as God. When it twists and distorts and forbids the proclamation of the truths of God's Word, as Israel did. These are what happens. And Lamentations serves as a memorial for that. The applications, um, we'll make some applications here in a moment in our own life. But many times, our personal lives are in utter shambles. And, and there is much... Lamenting, meaning there is much expression of grief and mourning and sorrow. 
Undoubtedly, the overwhelming majority of, of us that are here today have had, had times of lamenting and sorrow in our life from just life. Some of it is from decisions we've made. Some of it, it's from decisions other people have made. Some of it, it's just from the burden of life. Many of you, even this last year, have experienced some dark, dark days of trials and valleys. And the lamenting that is there, the the grief and the sorrow, at times, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing that you can change. Um... And at times like that, we're tempted to think, nobody has it as bad as I do. Nobody knows what I'm going through. And yet, there are lessons that we can learn from the book of Lamentations that will minister to us, especially in times like this. How do people survive when they have no hope? The key is where do we turn when there's nothing but misery around us? The only true hope that anyone has is in the Lord. And we want to just point out a few key lessons from the book of Lamentations. Number one, sin always brings judgment. Lamentations is a reminder that sin, in spite of all its allurements and excitements and enticements, Sin always carries a heavy weight of sorrow and grief and misery and barrenness and brokenness and pain. The eat, drink, and be merry quickly changes into the consequences. As Scripture tells us, there is a way that seems right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death. In the book of Lamentations, Judah had abandoned God, had departed from his word, trusted in different nations for their protection, or they trusted in idols, some that they made, some that foreign nations had brought to them, and Still, they had a religion. They revered the temple. They, they thought the temple was very important. Although they had religion, but they didn't have a relationship with God. They were trusting in other things. And all of that is sin. They abandoned God to go after other gods. As we saw in Jeremiah, they'd make their gods... And we know Romans 6.23 tells us the wages, the end result of sin is death. 
So the book of Lamentations is whatever exhibit you want throughout the Bible, but it's exhibit A or B or C or Z as a lawyer presenting his case. Here's another exhibit that sin always brings judgment. Lamentations teaches us that when God's people abandon him and depart, that tragedy inevitably follows. The book of Lamentations is one of the most tragic books in the Bible. It pictures what is the result of apostasy, meaning departure from the Lord. And really, to us today... It ought to be like a warning. It ought to motivate us to cry out to God for our own personal lives. But as a nation, as we depart from God, you know, the Jews thought we're God's chosen people. God has chosen the temple. The temple's right here. Nothing's going to happen. We're good. Although they were deep in sin, had abandoned God, and God showed them And he brought the very destruction that they thought could never happen. I fear many times in America we think that our nation could never fall. When any nation abandons God, there is no hope. And and this book bears it out. I mean, Jerusalem was a fortified city, but it fell... And it's a testimony that sin always brings judgment. Secondly, it's important for us to understand Christ alone frees us from eternal condemnation. Okay, let's go back to point one. Sin always brings judgment. Every one of us are born into this world as sinners So I am born into this world under the condemnation of my sin. I am a sinner, so the judgment of God is already upon me. John 3 says, the wrath of God is upon me. What do I do about it? There is only one solution to turn away the wrath of God, the judgment of God, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and took the wrath of God upon himself on the cross. Jesus Christ took our judgment for sin. He bore my sin. We sang, for me he died. It wasn't just that he died for me. He took my sin. 2 Corinthians 5 said, He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. He did not know sin. He willingly came and said, I will take your sin and pay the penalty of judgment. It isn't that our sin is never judged. Our sin was judged in the cross. And he offers to all mankind forgiveness of sin so that Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. I was condemned, 
But I believe what God said, that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sin. I call upon Jesus Christ to forgive my sin. And now there is no condemnation because of Jesus Christ. There, I am no longer under the judgment of my sin. I am pardoned. I am set free. He was made the curse for us. Galatians chapter 3. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. I broke the law. I'm a sinner. I was cursed because of that. But he's redeemed me, bought me back from the curse of the law because he was made a curse for me. Now, it's important for us to realize this. Sin always brings judgment. I can avoid the judgment of my sin only through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a member of this church or whatever church. It doesn't matter your heritage, how many years it goes back. It doesn't matter anything about what you have done. There's nothing you can do to remove this judgment except call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins And he says, he that has the Son, Jesus Christ, has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. Now, here we are. We're born in sin. And we receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Our sin, the judgment of our sin is forgiven, but we still live in a sin-cursed world, don't we? And bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to Christians. Difficult things come into our life. And we are surrounded by sin. We have a sin nature within us. We have the Spirit of God as believers dwelling within us. But we still make decisions that aren't right. We bear the consequences of the sin. We live in a world that's full of sin. And the consequences of it are around us. And we live in a world that is under the curse of sin. Without going back and reliving that. The book of Lamentations, Jeremiah was living in a world full of sin. The the evidence of it, the, the the nation of Judah, tribe of Judah was taken captive. Jerusalem was in rubble. And here he is in the midst of all of this. And he re been reminding us all he'd been through. And then in verse 22 of chapter 3 says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Great is thy faithfulness. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning, his mercies. So here he is, in the midst of this, he's Bearing this great burden, and he says, Were it not for the mercies of God, I could not make it. I would be consumed. 
His mercies are new every morning. He is of great compassion. Great is his faithfulness. Even in Jeremiah's anguish, and great anguish as we read, he kept his eyes on God and accepted the hardship that God allowed. In this world, as a believer, you will have hardships. We will be tempted. We will have a choice that we can choose to despair and give up. Or we can go back to what God had already promised. And we can review and remind and rest in God and his character. And Jeremiah chose to go back and accept the hardship that God had allowed and focus on the character of God. God is the central character of the book of Lamentations. It is not Jeremiah. It's a revelation about the heart of God, that God always brings judgment on sin, that God has provided Christ alone for, for hope. But you notice the aspect of God's character that shines through the book And I want us to see it. Verse 22, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Number one, God is merciful. It is only because of God's mercies that you have life. It is only because of God's mercies that you have spiritual life. It is only because of God's mercies that we are not consumed. His mercies are new to us every day. It's the mercy of God that the sun comes up every morning. It's the mercy of God that he gives you breath. We could go on and on and list the mercies of God. We sang just a moment ago a song we're still learning, but we're doing better on it, all right? But we sang, every morning that breaks, there are mercies anew. Every breath that I take is your faithfulness proved. You're not sitting there, okay, take a breath. Now let it out. Breathe in. Breathe out. It's the mercies of God that you're breathing. And at the end of each day, when my labors are through, I will sing of your mercies anew. When I've, listen to this, when I've fallen and strayed, there are mercies anew. For you sought me in love... And my heart you pursued. We've all been there, haven't we? When, when we have strayed and in his mercy, he didn't say, I'm done with you out of here. He pursued us. When the storms swirl and rage, there are mercies anew in affliction and pain. You will carry me through. And at the end of my days, when your throne fills my view, I will sing of your mercies, your mercies anew. Amen? I mean, this is, and this is what, this is what Jeremiah is saying. When the storms whirl and rage, everything around him, 
I mean, his dearest friends had been taken captive and everything was in turmoil. And he said, it is of God's mercies. He turned his focus to God. It is of God's mercies. I mean, every song we sang this morning was about the mercies of God. We could have sang many others, day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Resting in my Father's wise bestowments, I've no cause for worry or for fear. See, in in understanding, even when things mess up, in understanding the mercies of God, and Jeremiah is coming back and he didn't turn his focus, look at We'll never rise from this rubble. Nothing good can come of this. He focused on the mercies. And then he says, because his compassions fail not. God is a compassionate God. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, he is touched. By the feelings of your infirmities. He, he is bur- he is moved with compassion. God is not a cold, uncaring God who sits up there and says, sorry buddy, you made that choice, you suffer with it. And they had made choices in Jeremiah's day, and they were suffering, but God in his compassion was bringing mercies new every day. In the midst when the storms whirl around us and the dark, dark valleys that we may go through in life, we are tempted to think that God doesn't care and that God doesn't love us. And God says, everything he does is a manifestation of his love. And as the songwriter said, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one else could take my sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. And Jeremiah, in the midst of of what could have been saying, God, you've abandoned us, you you don't care about us, Jeremiah is saying, no, God is a merciful God and God is a compassionate God. And even in bringing judgment, it is a manifestation of his compassion. And then he says, and his mercies and compassion are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. In, in northeast Wyoming, there is a place that millions of people every year travel to to view a geyser that goes off whenever it feels like. No, they go to see old what? Faithful. It isn't famous because you never know when it's going to blow. It's famous because it's faithful. Old faithful has notoriety because of its faithfulness, but old faithful is not near as faithful as God. He, Malachi 3.6, he is the Lord God, and he said, I change not. 
I mean, wow. Every one of us are changing all the time. I hate looking in the mirror to see the changes coming about. You know what I mean? God changes not. It's not like I'll be merciful. I'm full of mercy today, but not here. Look out. Some of you have bosses that you show up Monday and you, every day you show up and you think, I wonder what kind of mood he's in, you know, and you've got a code around work. Stay low today. Ooh, man, he's, he's not in a good mood today. Hopefully you're not that boss, all right, that they're doing that to. But can you imagine if God was that way, if God had a bad day or a bad moment? Every morning we can wake up and we can know God is the same. Every promise in his book is true. He hasn't changed. He hasn't come out with God 4.0. Oh, wow, I wonder what the changes are on this. When you're perfect, there is no changing. And in the midst of dark valleys, Jeremiah came back and he said, I know God is merciful. I know God is compassionate and love. And I know God is faithful. And the encouragement that that brought. This is a dark book and this is one ray of sunlight in the middle of the book that comes through in Lamentations 3. And he says, he is faithful. But then he adds, as we continue in Lamentations chapter 3, he says, The Lord is my portion, verse 24, says my soul, therefore I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul that seeks Him. He reminds us of another characteristic of God, that God is good. You will be tempted to think God isn't good because this wouldn't have come into my life. If God is good, how can this be good? By faith, we have to come back and say, no, God is good. And Jeremiah did. God is good to those that hope in him and wait for him. It is good that one should hope and wait patiently for the Lord, for the salvation of the Lord. So Jeremiah is saying, because God is merciful, because God is compassionate, because God is faithful and God is good, I am going to hope in God. That's who I am going to trust. I'm not going to trust in Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not going to trust in the Israelite people. I'm not going to trust in myself. I am going to hope in God because only God is merciful, only God is compassionate, only God is faithful, and only God is good. Now, what is it you're trusting in? You may be in the midst of a storm of life, but because of who God is, I have hope, and it's not, I hope it doesn't rain tonight for praise in the park. It's not that kind of hope. It's a confident expectation. It's a confidence in God that it's a blessed hope. It is, it is confidence, not that we build up. It's confidence because of who God is. He is faithful. And Jeremiah realized when circumstances are big, God is bigger. And God 
is always merciful and always compassionate and always faithful and always good. And he said, because of that, I will trust him. I don't know. I don't know what you may be going through right now in your life. None of us knows what this next week may hold. But I'll guarantee you this, whatever comes in your life or my life, these same things are true about God that Jeremiah said, and they're true in your life and my life, and because of that, we can have great hope. Am I encouraged at what's going on in our nation today? No, not really. But I have great hope because I serve a great God. And that's what we have. And if you're here today and you have never personally called upon Jesus Christ, you are under the judgment of sin And if you die in that, you will go to an eternity in the lake of fire. But God is merciful to you and he says, I've sent my son that you could know that you are not under condemnation anymore. And you can live in the midst of a world that you bear consequences because of sin. Sin of others, sin of ourselves, sin of the curse. But God is with us and He is merciful, He is compassionate, He is faithful, and He is good. And as we, as we said, when the storms whirl and rage with the afflictions and pain, you will carry me through. And at the end of my days, when your throne is my full view, can you imagine that? I mean, That's what our promise is. That's what our future is. We will say, thank you for your mercies anew. Heavenly Father, I pray that hearts would be encouraged in who you are today. Lord, perhaps that heart that is heavy with the burden of their own sin or the decisions that others have made, or just life, the burdens of life. Lord, I pray that as Jeremiah, we would choose to focus on you. And Lord, as we do, that then we would place our trust and hope entirely in you to know that it is not in vain. So Lord, We pray, ultimately, if there is an individual here that is still bearing the judgment of their own sin, they've never come to know the forgiveness in Christ. Lord, I pray today that they would, even where they're seated now, cry out to you for mercy and forgiveness of sin. Lord, I pray if an individual is in this condition that before they leave, they would mention that to us and we could help them come to know their sins are forgiven and they no longer bear the condemnation of evil. Lord, may we rejoice in your great faithfulness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask.